What's the word? Avaricious. Say it again. Avaricious. Avaricious. Just check your news, people. Check your news. This is the Chicago Grown Folk Podcast. And everything you hear about this city is true. It is not a city for snowflakes. As you're going to hear while listening to this podcast, I'm here. Silent DJ is here. We're going to get right into it because there's a lot to talk about. Happy holidays. And as always, sit back, relax, and Merry New Year! All right, you hear the music that means only one thing. The Chicago Grown Folk Podcast is on the air for the winter of 2023. Here's what you missed. A 24-year-old man was killed and a 23-year-old man was grazed by a bullet in a shooting in the West Lawn neighborhood, capping off the most violent month in Chicago in 20 years. Chicago police said there were 90 homicides in August and a total of 472 people shot in 384 separate attacks. The city has not had that many murders in one month since August 1996. Police Superintendent Eddie Johnson said a relatively small group of repeat gun criminals are responsible for the vast majority of the gun violence in Chicago. You know, there used to be a time in this country where people would want to roll up their sleeves and make personal sacrifice. We got to do what's best for the greater good of the country and all this kind of stuff. And nowadays it's kind of like, well, everybody's got their own agendas and everybody's kind of doing their own thing. Ain't nobody looking out for their fellow man. It says a week later, more reports of clowns were popping up, simply staring at Greenville residents near laundromats. And again, in the woods, police couldn't locate any of these individuals you had a machete wielding clown tried to lure a woman into a wooded area parents and children reported clowns leering at them from cars or at the edge of the forest the show has started sending these frequencies to your transducer say what hello everybody welcome once again to the 50th episode of the chicago grown folk podcast i am e your host for the podcast that's one letter e so that should be easier for y'all to remember and on the other side of the room we have none other than the silent dj Yes, his job is to keep us on point, and that's what he's going to do. And he also assists with the technical things, working all this equipment. We got up here to run this podcast, and his role is invaluable. Now, what we do on this podcast, we talk a lot of society and culture issues. We're not a podcast that has a lot of explicit or 
ratchet material. We don't do celebrity gossip up here. This is not TMZ. Entertainment Tonight, page six. Lipstick Alley. And there's nothing wrong with any of those platforms, but they do what they do. And we do what we do. By the way, let me say this. It's not that we don't talk celebrity talk on this podcast. You know, if it's a celebrity story that's really big, sure, we'll talk about it. But it's typically not what this podcast is about. We just talk a lot about what's going on in our society in 2023 going into 2024. And if you've been paying attention to the news, you already know there is a lot to talk about. By the way, we here at the Chicago Grown Folk Podcast are not on. That's right. There's no dusting going on up here. We are clean, serene, and sober for this 50th podcast. By the way, to all our frequent listeners who come back and check us out on a regular basis, our thanks. You guys are the reason that Silent and I continue to come up here and record these podcasts. Well, with all that being said, at the time I'm recording this podcast, the holiday season is here. Now, I don't know when this thing is coming out, but right now the holiday season is here. You know, it's a time for goodwill to your fellow man and holiday cheer and spending a lot of money. And it's also a time where families get together and people are taking vacations and they're traveling and all, all this stuff that goes on during the holidays. The holiday drinks are available at Starbucks, which I am drinking on right now. You know, I had cut back on Starbucks tremendously over the past uh, year or so, but man, when those holiday drinks come out of Starbucks, uh, and surprisingly, the peppermint mocha, like I, I just have to go get one. And I've never really been a big fan of peppermint. And I guess it goes back to the days of when I was a kid. I used to go to my grandparents' house. And I don't know, maybe if you're of a certain age, you know what I'm talking about. They would always have a candy dish. She had a green candy dish. This was back in the days of Brock's candy. Right over there on, um, or used to be right over there on uh, Cicero, not too far off of Lake Street. Brock's Candy used to go into Walgreens or something, and they would have like a, these hard individually wrapped candies in the, in the bins and butterscotch, peppermints, those little caramel cubes. So she would always come back with a bag of that stuff, and it never failed. She would always have peppermint in the candy dish and you would pick it up and eat it. And it was like, ugh. so I was never really a big fan of peppermint at all. But for some reason or another, these uh, peppermint mochas at Starbucks, I've gotten kind of addicted to them. And they also have like chestnut praline latte or something or the other. And the Starbucks gets me every year with these holiday drinks. No doubt about it. But around this time of the year, we always hear about families getting together. The last presidential election during the COVID era, I remember hearing Joe Biden say something that there being an empty chair at the dinner table because somebody might have lost a loved one during COVID. And this was kind of going into the holiday season. For some reason or another, that always kind of stuck in my head. However, the flip side of that is there are families that will be getting together and they're going to be there with relatives that they absolutely cannot stand. 
Now, I had talked about this on a previous podcast. A friend of ours had a sister that they just didn't get along. And anytime there was a family gathering, he dreaded it because he knew that he was going to have to be there and his sister was going to be there. And by the way, now this is according to him that she was kind of like the black sheep of the family. So it wasn't just him that had a rocky relationship with her. It was just the family in general. Anybody knows if you have relatives that are like that, whenever you have family get togethers, a lot of times you just have to tolerate them. So that's kind of what it was with his sister. Because during the course of one's lifetime, at some point, you're going to run into these people who are, to use today's vernacular, toxic. More than likely, you're going to run into these people at some point, sometime in your lifetime. People that every time they come around, they always bring drama or they always got drama going on or they didn't get into it with somebody because of something that happened. And I mean, it's always something with these folks. They give out a lot of negative energy and they attract negative energy. And most times you can't even reason with these people because in their mind, it's never them. It's always everybody else. It's always this person or that person. So these people are out there and they're related to somebody. And these are the people that when it's time to have a family gathering around the holiday season, birthdays, family reunions, whatever. These are the people that if you're related to them, they're going to be there. And how do you deal with it? Now, if this podcast was set up to take phone calls, I really would ask this question because I know there are people out there that have this problem. You know, everything ain't like I always see on a television or maybe nowadays social media where everybody's living these perfect lives and where everybody's sitting around a dinner table and they're smiling and laughing and everything's just great and perfect. You know, I know everybody's not living that type of lifestyle. So do you have these people in your family and how do you deal with it would be the question that I would ask. Or is it that empty chair thing where you're just thankful and grateful to have your family together, no matter how toxic they may be. And, you know, two things can be true. You can, you don't want to deal with them, but you're glad they're there. Now, I know people ain't running around wishing death on folks. That ain't, I mean, that's really extreme. By the way, this is our opening rambling segment where I'm not really talking about a whole lot, just rambling on. And another thing that I've brought up on previous podcasts, Christmas decorations. Now, it seems to me that I don't see as many Christmas decorations as I used to. And I'm speaking more so of residential homes. You know, I know if you go into the stores or office buildings or something, they have Christmas decorations. I'm talking about individual homes, apartment units. I don't see a lot of these places decorated like I used to. Now, that's not to say that there aren't people out there that are decorating their homes. There are some homes that I pass by that are decked out pretty nice with Christmas decorations. What's really popular nowadays are these big, giant inflatables, Snoopy with a Christmas hat or a snowman or or Santa Claus riding a reindeer or something, you know. But, you know, I don't know if this is just where I'm at or if it's a thing where people just really don't 
decorate homes like they used to. But like I said on a previous podcast, I do notice that I have seen an increase of Halloween decorations. Now, when I was coming up in the city, the most I would see around Halloween time would be maybe somebody would put a jack-o'-lantern out on the porch. Now I see more giant inflatables, spider webbing on bushes, and there's one house I pass in the western suburbs. Every year, this particular home has a big front yard. Any kind of Halloween decoration you can think of, it's on this front lawn. You know, I mean, they go all out every year, but they also do it for Christmas as well. You know, and I don't know if it's a thing that people just aren't putting out decorations like they used to. Maybe it's just not cost effective, you know, because you got to pay for this stuff and then you got to pay for the electricity. And or like I said, maybe it's just the areas that I'm going through. Nobody wants you when you're down and out. Well, on the last podcast, I talked about retail and how retail workers are quitting at record rates. And the main reason for it is because retail work has really become challenging with people coming in. And I mean, we've seen the stories. I've talked about it routinely on this podcast, people coming in and uh, just taking things and smashing grabs and all the stuff that has been going on. Well, no sooner than I recorded that podcast, I mean, we hadn't even put the podcast out. I came across this article about Target. Now, a lot of you all out there listening, shop at Target, self-included. But the title of this article, Target says it's closing nine stores because of surging retail thefts. We cannot continue operating these stores because theft and organized retail crime are threatening the safety of our team and guests. The rise in shoplifting and other incidents at Target locations comes as other retailers say a rise in crime is hurting their business. Whole Foods in April temporarily closed one of its flagship stores in San Francisco, citing concerns that crime in the area 
endangered employees. Retailers, including Dick's Sporting Goods and Ulta Beauty, have pointed to rising thefts as a factor in shrinking profits. A rise in so-called smash-and-grab retail robberies impacted retailers across the U.S. with organized theft rings targeting major chains. The Target CEO, a guy by the name of Brian Cornell, said that assaults on store workers increased by 120% over the first five months of the year compared with the year-ago period. You have a survey done by the National Retail Federation found that stores reported $112 billion in total inventory losses last year. And that's up from $94 billion in 2021. And by the way, they're including internal and external thefts in those numbers. So people who are stealing from within the company and then these people who are stealing probably these run-in, smash-and-grabs, run-in, run-out with as much stuff as they can carry. And along with that, they've also noticed that retailers reported a rise in violent incidents. So they're dealing with two issues here. They're dealing with theft and violent assaults against employees. Now we're going to play this news clip. Target announced that it will close nine of its stores, including the one on 117th Street in Harlem. The stores will shutter for good on October 21st. And as Fox 5's Arthur Chan reports, Target's blaming the closures on ongoing problems with theft and violence. I just come out of there. I got me some eggs, some bananas, some avocados. Anthony uses it for his groceries, and David is here for a birthday present. Uh, I just bought a little something for my for my son, who's his birthday today. Countless residents in East Harlem rely on this Target on East 117th Street, but now Target says it's closing this store in a matter of weeks, citing rampant shoplifting that threatens the safety of employees and customers. They come here, they steal, they steal, they steal. And I told him, I heard in the neighborhood. This woman has worked at this Target location since it opened in 2010. She asked not to be identified, but shared with us her frustration with shoplifters who often come in mobs emptying shelves. They thought they was being smart and everything running in, running out. Just disrespectful to this store. You understand what I'm saying? Just, just, they just disrespected the store to the time. Now there's not going to be no more Target. Now what they're going to do? Now what's going to happen to this neighborhood? Surveillance videos like these routinely show brazen levels of criminal activity. Shoplifting on a large scale has become a national crisis, costing retailers over $112 billion in losses last year, according to a National Retail Federation survey. Target's East Harlem store is one of nine locations. It's closing nationwide, all for the same reason. Other locations include San Francisco, Portland, and Seattle. We may see other stores closing locations too, specifically in those big metro areas where, you know, the cost of rent is high. So it's really making a bigger impact on those stores. CVS, the Rite Aids, they're all closing. These guys are shoplifting left and right, and it's horrible. Not only is there a cost to this neighborhood, but this impacts all of the employees who work at this location. Target says they're going to try to absorb everybody into other Target stores. The residents here have some choice advice for shoplifters. Get a job. The lights will go out here permanently on October 21st. At the Target in East River Plaza, Arthur Chien, Fox 5 News. Get a job. Well, you heard the clip. And the woman in that video, uh, the target employee, you can really hear the frustration in her voice. And listen, a lot of us are frustrated, no doubt about it. As a matter of fact, I was just at the Family Dollar about a month ago, 
This is the second time in a row I'm talking about Family Dollar on this podcast. I'm coming out of the store walking to my car, probably not even 30 seconds when I walked out. Some guy comes barging out of the door with, a, with one of those uh, baskets, one of those carry baskets. This guy comes flying out of the door, running across the street, and the manager comes out and she says, I'm calling the police. You know, <laughs> not that he gives a damn anyway, but yeah, he's running across the street. His hat flew off his head, you know. Yeah, man. I mean, it's frustrating. Like the lady said, get a job. But unfortunately, it's the thing that these people who are doing the shoplifting don't give a damn. They don't care nothing about Target closing. They don't care nothing about the employees that work there. They don't care nothing about the customers who might not have a nearby store to shop and get food for their kids. They don't give a damn. And Target's closing that store. They'll just go somewhere else. You know, they'll shoplift somewhere else. Whatever store is open, they don't give a damn. You know, it's like modern day boosting. Back in the day, my grandparents, uh, going back into the late 80s, early 90s, a guy had moved into the house next door to them and he was a professional booster. You know, I don't know if there's a such thing or not, but that's what I'm calling him. I mean, he made a career out of it. Uh, boost. As a matter of fact, he never owned a car. His vehicle of choice was a stolen U-Haul. And of course, what else would you do in a stolen U-Haul but haul around stolen merchandise? Now, the guy eventually got arrested. He was one of those people, somebody out there listening might know what I'm talking about. He was one of those people that was always in and out of jail. So you would see these folks, they get locked up, they're gone for two or three years, they come back out, five, six months go by, then you don't see them, come to find out they've been locked up again. And so he was one of those type people that was always in and out of jail. So I don't know whatever happened to the guy, but that's what he did for a living. He was a booster. Then you have the more low level boosters that used to get a Montgomery Ward bag or a JCPenney bag or something. They walk into a store, the bag is empty, and then they walk out, it's full of merchandise. So, but those people were more discreet. These folks now, they're just running in and they're very brazen with it. They're running in and like, I'm looking at the video, guys are trying to push a giant ass TV out the door and people just grabbing crap and trashing the place, you know, and probably a lot of this stuff winds up online. Now, back in the summer, Congress passed a bill called Inform Consumers Act. Now, what this bill does is it adds more regulations to online third-party sellers because a lot of this merchandise finds its way for sale online. So Congress passes a bill called the Inform Consumers Act, Integrity, Notification, and Fairness in Online Retail Marketplace for Consumers Act. That's the full name of the bill. Now, what this is supposed to do, it says the law requires online marketplace, marketplaces to obtain information from certain high volume third party sellers and to ensure that the information about these sellers is clearly disclosed. They want to make online transactions more transparent and to deter the online sale of stolen, counterfeit or unsafe merchandise. Online marketplaces where high-volume third-party sellers offer new and unused consumer products must collect, verify, and disclose certain information about those sellers. In addition, online marketplaces must offer a clear way for people to report suspicious activity. The cost of not complying with the Informed Consumer Act can be high both for online marketplaces 
and for your business. For example, if online marketplaces don't get the required information from high-volume third-party sellers, fail to verify and update it, or fail to make necessary disclosures, the online marketplace faces civil penalties of up to 50120 per violation of the law. Furthermore, the law requires online marketplaces to suspend a high-volume third-party seller if the seller doesn't provide the marketplace with the information the marketplace needs to comply with the law within 10 days or doesn't respond within 10 days to the marketplace's request for updated information. As the law specifies, the marketplace must give the seller written or electronic notice of non-compliance. If the seller doesn't provide the information within 10 days of that notice, the marketplace must suspend any future sales activity of the seller until the seller complies with the requirements of the law. Now, here's the thing about all that. I don't know how much of that will help. Now, I'm of the mindset that criminals are always going to find a loophole here and there in the law. But again, at least there's something or there's an attempt to crack down on some of this stuff. Time will tell what happens. All right, that was our little thrown together intro for this semi new segment that we want to introduce. Silent, will you play that again? We see you. Yeah, we see you. Now, this segment is based around Citizens App. A lot of you all out there listening might have Citizens App on your phone. But for those that don't, Citizens App gives you news alerts about if there is a robbery or a shooting or a car crash, a fire, any kind of newsworthy event, they also have it set up where if you're in the area where something's going on, like if you're here in Chicago and you're standing on a corner of Pulaski and Chicago Avenue or something, and there's a car crash and you have Citizens app, well, you can take out your cell phone and go live and post it on Citizens app so people in the area can see it. And anybody that has Citizens app and you live in a city like Chicago, you've probably seen some wild videos. I saw something. I've seen my fair share of them. I saw one video where they were courting some guy running through traffic from the police. I saw something else where there was a brawl 
going on. Now, I'm going to tell you, this particular video that I saw looked very staged. So I'm guessing that there are people that, that stage things and post it so they can go viral. It seems we're living in a time now where illusion trumps reality. But all this stuff is on Citizens App. Now, again, if you live in a city like Chicago, you already know you get tons and tons of alerts. And I mean, there have been times I've been sitting back watching the game and these alerts are coming in. I'll pick up the phone, look at it. And no sooner than I set the phone down, there's another alert coming in, you know. (laughs) So there's always something happening on Citizens App to the point where we said we would create a segment around it. For example, this incident happened at a McDonald's. And we honestly could have thrown this on our anger segment. There was some incident that happened at this particular McDonald's where there were women getting into an altercation with the employees at this McDonald's. Now, it says drinks were thrown, knives were drawn at McDonald's. Police advise one of the suspects is tall and wearing a bonnet and armed with a knife. So she's walking around with a bonnet on her head and a knife in her pocket, you know. The second suspect is heavy set and is also armed with a knife. Police advise the suspects were four women throwing drinks at employees and trying to assault them. Two of them had knives. Now, it doesn't go into details in terms of what started the incident. This next one, exchange of gunfire involving a Dodge Ram. According to a police report, shots were fired and somebody took a Dodge Ram. An officer states that shots were fired from a vehicle, possibly the Dodge Ram, going northbound. Police are seeking out this pickup truck after gunfire rang out. So you're having basically a shootout in the street like the old uh, gangster movies back in the day. Here's something. You had a cash register that was emptied at a subway. Police have confirmed that a man in black clothing cleaned out the cash register and took at least one victim's cash from subway before fleeing in a black Dodge Charger that fled northbound towards the interstate. So here's a guy in a black Dodge Charger. You had a Dodge Ram, and now this guy's in a Charger running around robbing the subway. Man, can you imagine standing in line at the subway waiting for your ham or roast beef sandwich and some jackass comes in and robs the place? Now, it ain't good enough that he didn't took the money out of the cash register. You got to take my cash, too, you know? Man, it's like I just want to get a sandwich, you know? Now, this next one, there's a lot happening here. It says there was a woman that was shot in the in a Northside armed robbery spree. Police are investigating multiple confirmed armed robberies and carjackings that have occurred this morning in the north side of Chicago. Police have confirmed that a woman was shot by suspects seen fleeing in a black Audi. Police also believe the same suspects are responsible and now have the victim's gun in their possession. Then there's an update to that. It says police confirmed that the woman was shot during a robbery in a stairwell. The victim had a gun in her purse and she was shot with it by the suspects after taking her purse. And then again, you have the black Audi. It says officers say that a black Audi was seen fleeing the scene. So this woman is in the stairwell. They took her purse, took her gun, shot her with it, and and then jumped in a black Audi and just left. And according to this, they believe these people were involved in multiple robberies in the area. Wow. This one is pretty vague. It says large fight reported. Police are responding to a report of a large fight. 
And by the way, this particular fight was at 3.35 a.m. So God only knows what was going on with that. Here's another incident involving a woman. A woman stabbed in foot. EMS and police are responding to a reported stabbing. Police update that a woman sustained injuries to her foot during a stabbing. So that's all they have about this. And that particular incident happened at 3.51 p.m. Uh, Here's another burglary. Burglary in process in an auto parts store. It says police are responding to a report of a burglary on North Avenue at an auto parts store. Uber driver robbed at gunpoint. Police are looking for three armed men who jumped out of a beige sedan and wished the driver a Merry Christmas before robbing him. Wow. Person flipped vehicle fled on foot. Firefighters are on the scene with a flipped car in the northbound lane of Longwood Manor. The suspect fled on foot. Yeah, which that's not surprising. Check this one out. A shooting in Gresham. Authorities traced a blood trail from the scene where a person was shot, leading to the recovery of a bullet casing. Avoid the area as police investigate. Here's something a little less violent. Garage on fire. Multiple videos showing a garage on fire with smoke pouring from the building while a fire crew battles the flames. Here you have a foot chase. An officer called for backup. Be aware of your surroundings and keep a reasonable distance. Another robbery. Robbery reported at Circle K. 200 North LaSalle. Police are investigating a reported robbery at a Circle K. You know what? I'm going to tell you something. I've never known a Circle K to be in a downtown area. So this place is obviously new. And when I say new, it must have opened up within the past maybe four to five years. That's around about LaSalle and Lake Street. That's also where uh, the state of Illinois building. Well, now it's I believe Google has bought it, but it used to be the state of Illinois building. But I've never known a Circle K to be over there. So this must be a new. They just had to recently open up. But according to this, they were robbed. Man, I tell you, these robberies are just out of control. In the city. Well, listen, all this does is it puts on full display the fact that there is an epic failure in terms of public safety in this city.
Now, on the previous segment, you just heard me talking about Citizens app. There was an alert about a garage fire. Unfortunately, around this time of the year, as many of you all know, when the weather gets cold, this can be a pretty bad time for residential fires. People trying to keep their homes warm. Although it's not always people trying to keep their homes warm. Recently, we just had a really bad fire here in the city that took the life of a five-year-old girl. Now, the news was reporting that the kids might have been playing around with a lighter or some matches, which how many of those stories have I heard in my lifetime? Kids playing around with matches and lighters, and before you know it, things turn really bad very quickly. And in this particular incident, these people stayed in an apartment building. So not only do you have a loss of life, you have people who have lost their homes. So it's not a situation that anybody wants to be in. The flip side of all that is that sometimes you have people that are trying to keep their homes warm for whatever reason. Maybe the landlord doesn't give them enough heat or they stay in an old drafty place. Some people might cut their stoves on to keep the place warm, which is very dangerous. But if you're sitting in your home and you're freezing because either the landlord isn't given enough heat in the apartment or the heat ain't working or whatever the case may be, sometimes you have to take your chances. And if you live in a lot of these older homes where it's drafty and you got the heat on and it don't feel like it, so you might go out and get you a space heater or something. Now, what they always tell you about those space heaters, don't plug them directly into the wall. They want you to use those power strips to plug those space heaters in. And the reason for that is because, and this is what I'm speculating. I ain't heard nobody say this. Those space heaters if you have those things running for any length of time, the prongs that you plug into the outlet get hot. And if it's plugged into the wall and they're getting hot, then that just means that the wires inside your wall are getting hot too. Especially if you live in one of these older homes that's not up to cold, that could be a fire waiting to happen. And I don't think a lot of people realize that about those space heaters. And I'm going to tell you something else. When we had a fire that hit our home years ago, even though the fire happened in the summer, it started from an outlet where we typically would plug those space heaters in. Now, and this is my advice, you can take it and do what you want to do with it. But if you're plugging those things into a wall, again, especially if you have an older home, get a power strip. And another thing you have to be careful of this time of the year are Christmas trees. Now, a lot of you all out there like to go get those live trees. I had a neighbor some years ago. That was her thing. She never, every Christmas, she had to have a live tree. She never had a tree out of the box. You know, we were tree out of the box people. We never really did the live tree thing. We had one one year. And I just remember it just being a hassle with trying to get it home and then trying to make sure that it fit properly in the stand pines falling all over the place. So I remember it just being a big hassle. And, and even as a kid, I was thinking, I'd rather just stick to taking the tree out of the box and setting it up because for us, it was a big hassle. Now, if you're a person that does it every year, then you probably got a system down where you know how to manage it. But for us, I just remember it being a lot of work. And even my neighbor that I was just talking about, I mean, she never had to worry about lugging a tree home. She always had her brothers or her significant other, you know, 
they always had to go and get it and had to lug it up a couple of flights of stairs and take it out. All she did was decorate it and she would keep the pines off the floor, you know. But one of the things about those trees, and I did not know this, is that you have to keep them watered because they can be a potential fire hazard. Now, I don't ever remember, and again, I'm going back to the 80s, I don't ever remember watering that tree we had. I think we had something uh, in a in a bottle. Like we had, it was like a white bottle that had a, like a Christmas tree on it or something or the other, you know, and I think it was some kind of tree food or something. And again, I'm going back some years, so I don't remember ever putting a lick of water on that tree. Now, our podcast is probably about one of the few podcasts that would ever bring something like this up. You know, we like to give a little information every now and then. We like to contribute a little bit to society. We're not takers. We're contributors. So <laughs> let's play this. Uh, let's play this news clip. If you drive around, you'll notice neighborhoods and homes are being transformed into holiday wonderlands. And while it's nice to celebrate this time of the year, all those decorations can lead to disaster. Yeah. On your side, Christine Lazar looks at how quickly things can go wrong. In this demonstration, the Christmas tree on the left has been watered regularly. The one on the right is dry. A hidden fire source underneath is used to try and light both. The watered tree never catches fire, but flames spread through the dry tree quickly and move to the ceiling. In just seconds, the room is engulfed in flames. In an instant, you turn from a happy setting to your entire house is on fire. Alexander Hohensarek is the chair of the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission and says candles are also a potential hazard, as seen in this demo. Candles cause thousands of fires every year, with December being the peak month. Faulty Christmas lights are also a fire hazard. Experts say make sure to avoid using cracked bulbs, check lights for frayed wires, and never overload electrical outlets. We also see a lot of trips to the emergency room. During the holiday season, the CPSC says there are about 160 Christmas decorating related injuries each day. More than 40% of those incidents involve falls. In 2021, Ken Wilson was putting up outdoor Christmas lights when he fell 11 feet onto the concrete and fractured six ribs. We want people to actually get together, have fun, but to be safe. Taking a few precautions, like keeping a Christmas tree watered, can help make sure your holiday home looks like this and not this. And experts say when you buy a real Christmas tree, make sure it isn't already dry. And if you're buying an artificial tree, make sure it's fire resistant. Christine Lazar, KCAL News. Yeah, well, there you have it. Man, that guy that was on the ladder, boy, he took a tumble. Uh, standing up hanging decorations and that ladder gave way and man <laughs> whoa whoa and in that video it took 20 seconds for that home to be engulfed in flames and then they had somebody setting candles next to a curtain or something i'm gonna tell you anybody setting candles next to a curtain you're asking for trouble no doubt about it but frayed wires is another thing as a matter of fact we just threw out a string of lights that were frayed but uh we, i mean because and that and I'm also tell you this, after having a fire in your home, you tend to be a little bit more cautious about those things. Yeah, so frayed wires, dry Christmas trees, just a little something to think about. Now, by the time this podcast comes out, the holiday season just might be over with, but the information don't change. So so we're just spreading it along because uh because again, who the hell wants to have a fire in their homes?
especially around the holiday season. Well, it's about that time of the podcast where we talk about Yes. Well, one of the things that I always say on this podcast is Idiots and assholes come a dime a dozen. They're out here. They're looking to cause problems. For example, you had a 59-year-old CTA employee. It's happening around about 8 p.m. Got into an altercation with a man on the red line platform at the 200 block of South State Street. It says the CTA worker fell down the escalator and sustained a laceration to the right arm and minor contusion to the head. The suspect fled and was later arrested in the 100 block of North Dearborn. Police described the incident as an aggravated battery, but did not specify what charges would be filed. And this article really doesn't give a whole lot of details as to what started this altercation, but it ended up with an individual falling down the escalator. Jeez. Now, this one here is a lot more serious. You had a physical altercation ending with the shooting death of a teenager. This happened on the 100 block of North Parkside around 8.30 p.m. And apparently what went on here was there was an altercation between a 33-year-old and a 16-year-old boy. The man produced a handgun and fired shots at the teen. The victim, identified as Leonte Taylor by the medical examiner's office, was shot multiple times in the chest and pronounced dead at the scene. And this article really doesn't go into uh, what this altercation was about. I don't know if these two knew each other or what, but... um. It ended up with a 16-year-old murdered at the end of all this. Now, this next one happened at 1 a.m. in South Jersey, a place called the Chicken or the Egg Restaurant on Route 70. Now, apparently, what went on here, you had an altercation inside of this restaurant, inside this restaurant, and the security guard was there trying to break it up. He wound up becoming a victim of a stabbing. Investigators found that the victim was a security guard 
for the restaurant and was attempting to break up the fight when he was stabbed twice by one of the men involved in the altercation. The suspect was a guy by the name of Marcus Brown, 28-year-old man, who attempted to flee the scene after the stabbing. He was detained by police when officers arrived on the scene. Brown has been charged with aggravated assault and possession of a weapon for an unlawful purpose. The victim was transported to Cooper Hospital and is listed in stable condition. Now, this article really doesn't give a whole lot of details in terms of what started this altercation at the chicken or the egg bar and restaurant. But 1 a.m. at a bar tells me there's probably a little drinking going on, you know. All right, this next one. A man was shot after pulling a knife during an argument late Saturday night at a red line station. The 40-year-old man was shot at around 10.45 p.m. in the 200 block of West Garfield Boulevard. Chicago police said he was taken to the University of Chicago Medical Center in fair condition after being shot in the right shoulder. No one is in custody in connection with the incident. And that's all this article has. It really doesn't go into details in terms of what the altercation was about. All right, now this next one was surrounding an argument that happened at a pub. There's not an article, but there is a news clip. So we're going to run it. A father of two with a child on the way was shot and killed outside a West Suburban bar. It happened this morning in unincorporated Wheaton at a pub called Rosie O'Reilly's. CBS 2's Suzanne Lemonio talked with the owners of the pub and found out how a fight over food turned into gunfire. The shooting happened after three men got into an argument inside the pub with a customer over pizza. Then one of those men shot the customer, killing him. He is the kids and life. I don't care what's going on. Life is life and right around that. Teresa Dwyer wipes away tears as she talks about the regular customer who was shot dead outside Rosie O'Reilly's Irish Pub and Grub here in unincorporated Wheaton. The man who has not been officially identified was the father of two children and was awaiting the birth of his third child. Dwyer is the general manager of the pub. Her husband, John Dwyer, owns it. John says before the shooting, the customer exchanged words with three other patrons who had never been in the bar before. These three guys had pizza and they had some leftovers. So they must have been saying to the bar if anybody wants some leftovers. And uh, somehow they got into a questionable argument. The argument moved outside. We don't have permission to show cell phone video, but I've seen it. Two of the men appear to bear hug each other, then dance around going back and forth on the front walkway. One minute they're hugging, next minute they're arguing. Then one of the men pulls out a gun and fires two shots into the air. The pub owner says right after that, his customer was shot in the face by one of the three patrons. Teresa Dwyer says he had been coming to Rosie O'Reilly's for about two years. Just a nice guy. Um, come in and visit with people. Sometimes there was, you know, a little teasing back and forth and stuff, but um, life is life. Doesn't matter what you are. You know, children not very, very sick. So you said he had three, actually two children, two and, a, children and a child on the way? Yes. So my heart goes out to that. He talked about his family. I'm very proud. Happy to have the children and the one on the way. 
The three men are all in custody, including the alleged shooter. In unincorporated Wheaton, Suzanne Lemignot, CBS 2 News. Well, there you have it. And I'm listening back to that, and I don't even know how that turned into a shooting. But typically when you have idiots, guns, and alcohol, that is a typical recipe for disaster. You do this every time, Tasha. Every time. <laughs> that was, uh, I heard some guy, I was sitting in my living room and I had the window cracked and I heard some guy outside. I guess he was talking on the cell phone to somebody, somebody named Tasha. Now, I don't know what Tasha did, but Tasha really got him heated. And whatever it was, according to him, she does it every time. So, you do this every time, Tasha. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. But look, I'm going to tell you, I've been there. So I know uh, sometimes you get them emotions get to go on. And before you know it, you screaming and yelling. And <laughs> well, anyway, we haven't recorded one of these in a little while. Craigslist. We've all been on it. We've all seen it. And now going into 2024, I don't know if people are on Craigslist like they used to be, but. If you've listened to this podcast, you know that every so often I like to go and check out the local news section on Craigslist and randomly I'll come across a bizarre post on Craigslist. And as I said before, the problem that Craigslist has now, and I complain about this every time I open up um, Craigslist, is that it's just filled with spam, tons and tons and tons of spam, cleaning services, People trying to sell you something. Now, they have a services section on Craigslist, but these people don't just stick to the services section. They're posting spam all over the place. Apartments for rent, they're spam. Local news, spam. For sale, spam. Spam, spam, spam. I mean, they, they need to change the site from calling it Craigslist to spam list because it's just, <laughs> I mean, it's just tons of spam. But you do come across an occasional bizarre post. Now, this is out of, we're skipping around to different cities. All right, here's one. This is a place called, uh, what is it? Hazelet, H-A-Z-L-E-T, Hazelet, I guess. But this post is complaining about parking illegally. I am always amazed at how many total assholes decide to park illegally, especially in Hazelet at a place a uh, place called the Wawa on Route 36. The Wawa on Route 36. Every time I pull in there, I see some dipshit 
with a pickup truck who decides to park on the yellow lines without regard to getting a ticket. If the Hazelette Police Department wants to make some easy money, just hang out at the Wawa in the morning for an hour or so, and you can write a book full of tickets. I don't know, do we have anybody out there listening that hangs out at the Wawa? W-A-W-A? I guess that's how it's pronounced, Wawa? Well, if you go there, just know they're parking illegally. This is something out of San Fernando Valley. Lost your card. And when you click on it, now, I don't even know in reading this, I don't know if this is an advertisement or if this is somebody looking for an individual that says, lost your card with info. Need to know if you are still interested in my service. Please email me if you see this ad. So apparently, I, I don't know what this is about, but if you lost your card and you're out in the San Fernando Valley area, then somebody's looking for you. We ought to reply to this guy and say, yeah, it's me. Uh, what's up? See what they say. Yeah, you be getting hit back with all kinds of stuff that you don't want to deal with. Uh, how about this one here? Amazing UFO Space Gem Discovery. Then you click on, all those UFOs flew away. All but one. And then they got a link here to some site seeking professional researchers or investors. And they got a picture here of, uh, I guess it's supposed to be uh, Alien's Face. And it says, Buster, tell of the lone space gem. Now, I don't know what that means. G-E-M. And there's a name attached, Sandy Shores. You know, so I don't know what the hell that's about. UFO busters, I guess. I, You know, like Ghostbusters, these are UFO busters. You know, people keep talking about UFOs, uh, aliens from another planet. But I'm going to tell you this. If there are UFOs out there flying around, if they came here from another planet, obviously they would have to have superior technology. If their attitude is anything like man, then this planet is going to be in a lot of trouble because man's attitude has always been to conquer and take things over. You know, I mean, what happened in this country? I mean, it was taken from the Native Americans. So so all these people out there waiting on alien contact, you better be careful what you're asking for. All right, here's a wild one here. Now, this is out in a place called Buffalo. I don't know Buffalo where, but now, according to this guy, he says, I have a real creepy neighbor that the Buffalo B District Police will not do anything about. At this present time, there is a $10,000 offer to anyone who will burn down my house offered by my creepy neighbor. And the detectives at the B District once again do nothing. And he's got do nothing in all caps. So do nothing. The original call to the police was on August 22nd, 2023. And they still haven't accomplished anything, in all caps. Why don't they go and arrest the little bitch? No, they said they would send out papers for a warrant for his arrest. That was on Friday, 9-8-2023. Those papers still haven't arrived. Then, if they actually send out the document, then I have to go down to the courthouse and have the warrant activated. Why can't they just arrest the little bitch? Hey, there's an idea. Yeah, wow. That's a very strange post. Now, I don't know whether or not this post is true. It could be somebody's imagination running wild. I don't know. But provided that it is true, it really doesn't go into any details in terms of why 
somebody would go through the trouble to put a $10,000 bounty on this individual's house. But truth be told, if you're staying next door to an idiot, you really don't have to do much to kick something off. You know, some years ago, I had recorded a podcast talking about roommates from hell. And in that segment, I brought up the fact that there are people who they live next to neighbors who are a nuisance. You know, they want to crank the music up at odd hours of the night or there's always traffic going in and out and they're loud and their trash winds up on your property. Their nonsense can't be contained in their own home. It always kind of filters over into your space. You know, so you have some neighbors out there that are like that. And if you live next door to these people, it's not an enjoyable experience. And the moment you say something to them, look out because they get attitudes. And before you know it, you're getting a $10,000 bounty put on your home, according to this post, you know, and it's not a whole lot the police can do. So you're either stuck there or you got to pack up and move, whatever, you know, I don't know what. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. All right, here's a question for some of you all out there. June 22nd, does anybody know what June 22nd is? Well, according to this post, do you celebrate? Just saw that June 22nd is no pennies day. Have you ever celebrated? Or October 13th with no bra? Just wondering who are the exhibitionists out there? So here's a perv looking for women walking around with no panties and no bras on June 22nd. And what was the other October 13th? Yeah. I mean, how do you even know something like that? What did he say? Uh, June 22nd. How do you even know? Yeah. Well, good luck with that. All right. This next one, beware of him is out in Jacksonville. Now I don't know Jacksonville where Florida or Mississippi or Jacksonville, Illinois, you know, But according to this article now, it says this man claims he sells cars because he used to work at a dealership. He robbed my handicapped mom of $1,500 and has not returned it. His phone number is, and then I got show contact info, which I'm not clicking because I don't care. His name is Jamal Clark. Now, they want you to beware of him, but then they're giving you his number. So you can hit him up and he can scam somebody else out of $1,500. Well, good luck with that. Sound like they ought to be calling 911 instead of posting on Craigslist. Now, this next one is posted in Bloomington, Indiana, and they want you to look out for two estranged women knocking on doors saying that they are from the church. And apparently what these two women are doing, they're going around Indiana, knocking on doors in Park Ridge East, saying that they are from the church of GID, G-I-D. So obviously that's a misspelling these two women were seen later breaking into homes and peeping into private rooms when residents were showering and other private matters so we got some more pervs here according to this article two estranged women walking around peeping at people taking showers and breaking into homes well listen i don't know if this is true or not but uh if you're out in bloomington and two women come knocking on your door just know that these two women are going to come back break in and watch you shower or so according to this post
You know, on the last podcast, I made reference to drug culture and how I'm ignorant to what goes on with drug culture. Drug usage in this country has been on the rise and it's been on the rise for a few years now. Now, what I don't know is what's driving it, what's behind it. How are people with all the information that we have out here about about how dangerous and how detrimental drug usage can be to individuals and to families, communities. What I don't know is what drives people to even start messing with it in the first place. Now, here's the thing. I come from a family of addicts, but their addictions were to alcohol. Not so much drugs, but they were addicted to alcohol. One of the reasons, and it's probably the main reason, I knew to stay away from it because I watched the problems that it caused them from struggling with addiction. And for some reason or another, I had the foresight when I was younger to know that you ain't going to be forever 21. When you start getting up in age, it ain't too much cool about an old addict. It ain't nothing cool about a young one either, but especially an old one. You know what I mean? And that was kind of the lesson that I learned from watching members of my family struggle with alcohol addiction. So that was enough for me to say, okay, you know what? This is not something that I want to touch. So my point in saying that is I had the information in front of me to know that this was not something that I wanted to deal with when I got older, trying to kick an addiction. Because what happens to all of us when we get older, our bodies break down. There's going to be enough challenges I'm going to have to deal with life challenges, health issues, to not have to worry about kicking an addiction as well. So that was my logic for staying away from a lot of that stuff. You know, and even when you go back to the days of the 70s and things when people were at the discos snorting cocaine and when Freebase came around, people started messing around with that, which was is crack. Uh, when crack came around, people didn't know what they were putting in their system and they didn't know how devastating it was because there just wasn't a lot of information at the time, and even if it was, it wasn't as easily as accessible as it is now. But what I don't understand now, why is this stuff with all the information that we have out here about drug usage, why is it on the rise? Especially when we know so many people were trying to kick a lot of those habits back in the day. Why are we now at a point in our society where it's on the rise? You know, and this is not a judgment thing. This is not me knocking people for what they do or whatever the case may be. We all struggle with something, right? We all have our vices. We all have our vices. We're all human. We all struggle with stuff. So this is not a judgment thing or nothing like that. I'm only bringing it up from the standpoint of pure curiosity. You know, I don't know if it's a situation that people start this stuff and they figure that they're not going to get hooked. Is it the stresses of everyday living? I mean, we know there's a lot going on out here now in 2023 that might drive people to take the edge off. Now, what I do know in terms of opioid abuse is that sometimes people get addicted from taking pain pills. You might have went to the dentist or had surgery or something and they give you pain pills. And before you know it, your body gets hooked and now you become an addict. So I understand what goes on with that percentage of people. And I've known enough older addicts in my family and outside of my family to know that, you know, it's not like they want to be addicts. It's just that it's hard for them to kick it. 
I knew an older person that was struggling with heroin usage, kept doing everything they could to kick it. But, you know, it's just it's a thing that once you get started, like I said, it's hard to kick. Now, I never got around to asking him what started him to use it in the first place. You know, and I'm sitting here now wishing that I did, but it just never came up. I came across this article from CBS 2 Chicago, and it talks about Cook County has broken the overdose record in 2022. Now, this article came out back in July of 2023. Cook County residents continue to die of opioid overdose at an unprecedented rate, with fatalities reaching an all-time high last year in 2022. It says the Cook County Medical Examiner's Office announced that 2,000 people died of opioid overdose in 2022, breaking a previous record of 1,935 deaths set the year before. Overdose deaths spiked significantly around the COVID-19-related lockdowns, jumping 42% from 2019 to 2020. And they have a quote from the medical examiner's office, a lady by the name of Natalia. Although overdose deaths have plateaued since then, they're still seeing a heavy increase year over year. ODs in Cook County have risen nearly every year since 2018. Opioid deaths were only a fraction of today's levels in 2015, when 676 overdose deaths were recorded. The vast majority of opioid overdoses last year, 91% involved fentanyl, the synthetic drug that is often mixed with heroin, but is 50 times more potent. Deaths involving the drug have been rising yearly for nearly a decade, from 103 in 2015 to 1,825 last year. Wow. I mean, and that's a staggering increase. The epidemic has been fueled by a spike in fentanyl in the drug supply and the isolation related to COVID-19-related lockdowns. Drug overdoses are now the leading cause of injury-related deaths, according to the CDC. Last year, men made up about 78% of the overdose deaths in Cook County. 50% of those who died were African-American. Latinos accounted for just under 15% and whites about 29%, the office said. The age range most affected were 50 to 59-year-olds, counting for 27% of deaths, according to the medical examiner's office. The youngest overdose victim last year was 12 years old, a kid by the name of Joel Watts. He was found dead of an accidental overdose at his Roseland home on August 19th. The oldest overdose victim last year in 2022 was an 84-year-old Chicago woman who died on June 14th, 2022 at a Swedish hospital. And check this out. It says Cook County also saw a 46% increase in overdose deaths related to the animal tranquilizer X-Y-L-A-Z-I-N-E, that's how it's spelled. You can figure out how to pronounce it. That caused at least 161 deaths last year. The Biden administration released a plan to combat the threat of fentanyl mixed with animal tranquilizers. It's tasked the CDC and the Food Drug Administration with expanding testing and prevention while taking steps to disrupt the supply chain. And so far in 2023, and again, this is back in July, the medical examiner's office has recorded 775 overdose deaths. Well, I still don't know what is driving this. Now, this article kept bringing up COVID-19 lockdowns. But what I'm trying to figure out is what is driving the rise in these opioid deaths? And what are we going to do to stop it? Now, I believe that drug usage is always going to be around. There are always going to be a percentage of people that are going to use drugs. It's always going to be here. 
You know, and I'm going to tell you something else. As of late, what I see with my own eyes when I'm out and about in this city, the amount of addicts that I see, this article is not too far off base. All right, here I go again. Last podcast, I talked about reckless driving. Now, this is a topic that I brought up on this podcast on several occasions. The first time I talked about it, there was a guy that was doing like 90 down the street, and he wound up causing a crash and killing a young girl. Last podcast, you heard me play clips of people driving cars that crashed into homes. Uh, By the way, one of those cars that was being driven was by an elderly woman. And according to the news report, she had a medical emergency. So that was the first one. That was the first clip we played, wasn't it, Silent? Yeah, yeah. When the woman said, oh, oh my goodness. Yeah, that was a medical emergency. The second one where the car landed on top of somebody's house, we really didn't. We didn't hear anything else about, but there are tons of people driving these cars and they don't have medical emergencies. They're driving fast because, well, a nice percentage of them are idiots. They got a fast car and they're just driving reckless. A lot of them have no business behind the wheel. They probably don't have license the first and they're probably driving somebody else's car. They're probably driving stolen cars. A lot of them are probably high or drunk or both. And let's be honest, car manufacturers now are making cars that are really fast. Like a lot of these challengers and chargers and these Hellcat engines. And so a lot of these cars they're making are extremely fast. Now, I don't know if this is something at some point that lawmakers and car manufacturers are going to have to take a look at. How fast does a car need to go? If you're just using the car to get from point A to point B, does it have to go 200 miles an hour? 
Now, here's the thing. I don't believe that everything needs to be regulated. Somebody wants to go out and get a fast car. They should be able to. However, if it's a situation where people are not going to be able to police themselves and drive responsibly, then yeah, it might be something that has to be taken a look at. Making cars that only go so fast, putting technology on the cars that regulate speed. I mean, I don't know how you would do it. And all the stats that I read over the past two or three years coming out of Illinois point to a regression in traffic safety. Whereas we had made progress in the area, now crashes have gone up in this state. And I'm going to tell you something. I wouldn't even need to read those stats to know that because I witness it when I drive every day in this city or just randomly looking out the window when I'm at home. I mean, I see it, you know, so I wouldn't even need those stats to know that people flying through red lights and stop signs. You know, I was on uh, YouTube and I remember reading a comment not that long ago. It was a video of somebody running a red light in some city. And I happened to glance at a comment that said, um, that said something along the lines of, I didn't know that running red lights was a thing. And somebody had left a reply. It's a thing. Get over it. You know, silent. And I read that and I thought to myself, I said, yeah, it's a thing until their car gets hit or until some kid gets killed riding in the backseat of their parents' car by some idiot that blows through a red light. So it's never a big deal to these people until they get affected by it. But I'm bringing all this up yet again because as I was looking for some articles that I bookmarked, I just randomly came across the story. Now, here you had a situation where you had you had a couple people in a Chrysler 300. Now, there were two people in this car. They were flying down the Dan Ryan Expressway. They were spotted by state troopers who started to go after them. Now, most people, when law enforcement pulls up behind you and they, they turn on the lights, you pull over, <laughs> right? But nope, not this individual. He decides to hit the gas and take off, which led to a police chase. So he gets off the expressway and he's flying through red lights up and down the street. According to this article, driving at speeds anywhere from 59 to 120 miles per hour. The driver disregarded red lights, weaved in and out of traffic, and even drove into oncoming traffic. State troopers terminated their efforts when the driver sped to 77 miles per hour in a 30 mile per hour zone and then ran a stop sign at 81st in St. Louis. Moments later, the federal helicopter crew watched from above as this Chrysler slammed into a pickup truck at the intersection of Francisco and 71st Street. State troopers found 18-year-old Sharon Murray behind the wheel of the Chrysler and 19-year-old Nazaya Harris in the front passenger seat. Murray and Harris were transported to Christ Hospital. He was treated and released, but Harris succumbed to her injuries. The Chrysler was not stolen, but police did find a gun inside after the crash. Prosecutors are charging him with reckless homicide, and he's being detained upon the state's request. He is due in court again on December 20th. So, an 18-year-old driving behind the wheel of a car, flying through the streets of Chicago, and listen, in my lifetime, I've seen tons and tons of stories where drivers are driving reckless, crash the car, Either the passengers get killed, the people they crash into get killed, but the driver still lives. And this is why, what was it, a couple of years ago, Silent? I talked about this very thing. Be careful who you get in the car with. Take your safety in your own hands. And the reason why I said that is because this happens quite a bit. 
you know, and a thing that I never understand when I read stories like this, and even like that comment I was referring to earlier about get over it. It's a thing, get over it. That's fine. But the problem is these people never seem to want to take responsibility. If you're flying down the expressway, like an idiot and the police catch you man up, pull over and accept the consequences. But these people never seem to want to do that. They always want to run around and cause problems, but then they don't want to own up to it if they get caught. And I'm going to tell you, none of this makes any sense because if you're not driving a stolen car, all you got to do is just pull the hell over. And about the worst that would have happened is you probably would have gotten a ticket or maybe a fine or something. The article said he had a gun in the car. I'm going to guess it might have been stolen. I don't know. But even still, in this era of criminal justice reform and no cash bond and all this other kind of mess, the worst that would have happened is he would have got a slap on the wrist and been right back out to hop in the car and drive like an idiot. And I believe what happens with a lot of these people who do stupid stuff like this, they get caught up in listening to what they hear other people say and do. You don't have to stop for the police. They can't chase you. If you're driving too fast, they're not going to chase you and all this kind of stuff. So they hear other people say stuff like that, or they see it on the internet somewhere or social media or some YouTube video. And instead of using their own good judgment, they run around and they do what they hear other people say and do. And then you wind up in situations like this where you wind up killing a young girl, making an idiotic decision. You know, there's not really a lot I can say about this next article 
that I haven't already said on previous podcasts, there is a mentality in this country that has become a lot more pervasive in my lifetime in terms of people taking things that don't belong to them. Now, listen, there have always been thieves, no doubt about it. But over the years, the mentality has shifted. I remember back in the day, if somebody was labeled a thief, they took offense to that. Even people who were thieves, you knew they were thieves. But if you called them one, they would get an attitude. You know, now, you know, they're still in everything that ain't nailed down. But the moment you called them a thief, they were going to have a problem with it. Nowadays, the mentality seems to have shifted. There's just no shame in it. You know, you got people taking things left and right. And not only are they taking it, they're broadcasting it on social media. You, you got people taking cars and they're posting it on social media, taking things out of stores and posing in front of cameras with stolen merchandise. I mean, it is unbelievable the amount of thievery that seems to be going on in this society. And nobody seems to be ashamed by it in terms of the people who are taking this stuff. You know, there was a concert here back in, I think it was August at the United Center where Lil Durk was performing. And I think it was the WGCI Summer Jam or whatever the hell they call it. I don't know. There was some kind of gun threat in the audience and they had to shut the concert down and which turned out to be false. But what did people do when they were leaving the building? They took the opportunity to ramshack people who were selling merchandise at the United Center. Like there is just no shame nowadays when it comes to thievery. How would you even think to do something like that? You know, I mean, my mind would be on getting the hell up out of there safely. Damn that merchandise. But again, like I said, I don't even know how you even think about something like that. It's very bold and brazen. There seems to be no remorse or thought in terms of what if I get caught or, or even just from a moral aspect. And I imagine that these people who run around and take things wouldn't want someone taking some of their stuff. That's provided they have anything that actually belongs to them. But yeah, I'm sure if somebody ran in their homes or took their cars or whatever the case may be, I know they wouldn't want it happening to them or somebody in their family. You know, and it's grown people, it's young people. I just came across this article. And by the way, this is just one of many that I could have picked. 15-year-old robbed 11 people in a five-hour crime spree. Prosecutors have charged a 15-year-old boy with participating in an armed robbery spree that targeted 11 victims in one morning. This past summer, the boy was part of a group that started robbing a 29-year-old woman in a 600 block of West 63rd around 12.30 a.m. on August 20th. And by the way, did you catch the time? 12.30 a.m. Now, this was back in the summer, says August 20th. I don't know if school was out. I would think that the parents should be aware and concerned that their 15-year-old is not in the house at 12.30 especially in a city like Chicago. The crew committed robbery after robbery, making at least nine stops before they wrapped up the crime spree about five hours later. So they were running around for five hours, according to this report, robbing people. And by the way, that's not all of it. It says 
The boy was also arrested for possession of a stolen motor vehicle on the same day the robberies were committed. And by the way, you know that he wasn't robbing people with a knife in his hand. He had to have a gun. You know, and when I talked earlier about there being an epic failure in terms of public safety, what I'm looking at here is a 15-year-old running around with a crew of people. Now, I don't know what the ages were of the people he was running with, but this kid is out at 12-something in the morning. Where are the parents? He's robbing people. He's got a stolen car. You know he had to have a gun. Where did he get the gun from? So when I talk about epic failures in terms of public safety, there are a number of things that contribute to it. Now, if that wasn't enough here, you got another incident. 14, 15, and 16-year-old beat, robbed, and carjacked a man inside a loop parking garage. The attack began as a 52-year-old victim was getting into his 2023 Audi in a parking garage in the 200 block of North LaSalle at around 5.12 p.m. A group of assailants struck the victim in the face with an object, causing him to fall to the ground. The individuals took his valuables and keys, and they drove away in his car. 14, 15, and 16. Now, the new mayor of Chicago has just released his public safety plan. This plan, which is called the People's Plan for Community Safety, focuses on what the mayor calls people-based and place-based efforts, which he said will work to reduce major root causes of crime. The plan touts major investments in violence and homelessness prevention. The plan focuses efforts on Chicagoans who are impacted by historic disinvestment and violence. This includes outreach and intervention with youth and adults of highest promise, members of our community who have been impacted by the repeated cycle of harm due to purposeful disinvestment, as well as support for victims and survivors of violence. Play space to ensure a safer Chicago for generations to come. The plan focuses on addressing the root causes of violence through long-term layered investments in key areas, education, economic opportunity, housing, health, community violence intervention, and policing. Mayor Johnson did not exactly say how high promise adults and youth will be identified by the city or what additional investment they will receive, but the cross-section of violence reduction efforts are receiving mayor support from public and private partnerships. Which I'm going to tell you, those are a lot of big words, but really what it all boils down to is they're going to throw a lot of money at these problems. Now, I'm not saying that it can't work, but I will tell you this. If they're not keeping close tabs on money, what it's being used for, are they seeing real results? Then it'll be just like a lot of these other programs that I've seen throughout the years where people get money and they put these programs on and they really don't make a whole lot of difference.
straight from the dungeons of podcasting. Well, 10 years of recording the Chicago Grown Folk Podcast, not to mention this is our 50th episode, which tells you we ain't been recording all that frequently. 10 years, all we got is 50 podcasts, but we've been recording 10 years. Now, we want to play another flashback. This is taken from our 30th podcast. And as far as I know, our 30th podcast isn't available anywhere. And now somebody might have got it and downloaded it. I don't know. But in terms of being posted, I don't think it's posted anywhere. And by the way, our 30th podcast was a look back because we hit 30 and we did a kind of a semi flashback on that episode, too. (laughs) So now we're back doing a flashback on the flashback episode. Now, this segment, I talked about advertisements that I saw on the television. So let's get into it and move on. So the wind is blowing pretty strong and we're kind of sitting by the window. I wonder if I stick the mic out, if people can hear how strong this wind is. Just give me a second to readjust here. Now what happens is when I stick this thing out the window, it's going to stop blowing. Watch. I don't know. Can you guys hear that? As I close this window back. So our papers don't blow all over the place. And that's been going on all day long. Yeah. So I was up here talking and we we're hearing a bunch of rumbling going on, but it's that, it's that damn wind. And that bag, I don't know if you guys heard that bag. There was a, uh, those plastic grocery bags. You always find a random one being blown through the air and then they get caught up on one of these uh, tree branches. Now, the bag always finds its way up there, but it never seems to be able to get off the branch. So it winds up getting stuck on these tree branches. And when the wind blows, then you hear these plastic bags that are stuck on these tree branches blowing in the wind. So how many of you have ever seen these commercials that come on daytime television? These lawyer commercials, like say you're watching maybe like Steve Wilkos or the People's Court or Judge Mathis or something or the other, or, or, or one of these, uh, Maury Povich, you know, one of these daytime talk shows or, or maybe like one of these old sitcoms or whatever. And the commercials come on and you always see one of these, uh, law firm commercials and they always come on. And what do they always do? They always flash a lot of cash and they keep talking about get cash quick and instant cash in a wreck, need a check and all this kind of mess that you see on these commercials. So basically what they're telling you, the American public, is you can get rich through litigation. If you're out and you're in an accident or you get injured at work or any one of these places you get hurt at, well, guess what? You can make a ton of money. This is what they advertise. And then they always flash a, they always flash a pile of cash and they're dropping coins and, and bags of money and, and on and on and on about how much money you're going to make if you sue. Sue, 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 and you get a lot of money. 
And this is probably why, and I talked about this on a previous podcast, where we live in an era now where everybody, moment something happens, they want to sue. And probably one of the reasons why is because they're seeing all these commercials nonstop telling people how much money they're going to get for basically nothing. You know, and those of us that have lived some years, we pretty much know that there really are no legal get-rich-quick methods. You know, because if that was the case, we'd all be walking around here rich. You know, now every now and then a person might get lucky and fall into some money some kind of way. But for the most part, majority of us, it just don't work like that. It just doesn't work like that. I mean, you have some people out here, man, that that walk out the door and stuff falls in their lap. But that's a small percentage of people. So when I see these advertisements come on TV talking about sue to make a lot of money. Well, most of us pretty much know that really the only people are going to be making money are the lawyers. Because in order for them to get the kind of money that they're going to claim that you're going to get in these advertisements, you're going to have to pay them a ton of money before you even see a dime of the money that you're supposed to, that you're supposedly supposed to get. And you even have some of them say, oh, we don't get paid until you get paid. Well, that might be the case. I don't know. But it seems to me that they ain't doing the work for free. If you're hiring their services, they're going to charge you something. Now, if you lose the case, you probably don't have to pay them as much. But again, I don't know because I've never been in a situation where I've had to go through that kind of a litigation. And hopefully I never will have to be. And then again, if you're in an accident, if you get, if you're at work and God forbid you throw your back out or you lose a limb, that's kind of a high price to pay to get $500,000 or whatever whatever they're going to get you, you know. But I'm saying all that to say that these commercials come on pretty randomly. And for some reason or another, this one commercial caught my attention and it's not even a, and it's not even about the commercial, but the end of it with this music, there's a guy here in Illinois whose commercial comes on randomly and he goes by the name of the Illinois hammer. Now, if you're in Illinois, I don't know how many people out there have seen this commercial. Uh, the guy claims he's a hammer and he, and like all these commercials, they claim that something happens to you, you're going to make a ton of money. This one ad came on and it caught my attention. This ad, again, there was nothing really in particular about it, but this music at the end, man, I don't know who comes up with this stuff. Illinois Hammer. You call I Hammer. Hammer, go Hammer. And apparently Hammer is a popular thing with these lawyers. There's one in Texas. We were on YouTube looking for this advertisement, and... There's a couple of guys in Texas that we came across that call themselves the hammer and they're lawyers. You know, they, they, they get on and they get on the ads and they scream and yell at you. Like, do we have that one? Like, let's play that. Hurt for life. Many people wonder why I seem so angry at insurance companies while looking to get my clients a fair settlement. It is because of the lies, the stalling, the bullying, the immoral tactics I've encountered in my last 35 years. I go after insurance companies tooth and fang for every resource my firm has to battle to get fair settlements. I'm Lowell the Hammer Stanley. Call me 459-CASH, 459-CASH. Man, they're breaking glass and everything. I mean, it's like he's screaming at you, you know what I mean? It's like like he's trying to, it almost sounds like he's trying to give a sermon almost. But all these guys, man, they, they tell you that you can make a lot of money if you go into court and litigate. Now, I don't know how many people might've actually called these people and made a lot of money. I'm sure there's somebody out there that has, 
but I don't know to what degree. And because these guys make it seem like all you got to do is have something happen to you and walk in the court broke and come out, come out with uh, a ton of money. But I don't know, maybe you're one of these people out here that have used one of these people like these, uh, these hammers and all these other uh, lawyers that are on TV advertising these services. Maybe, maybe you've used them and, 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 and came out uh, an instant millionaire. I mean, I don't know. But again, if you, if you have to, if you have to lose a limb or if you're paralyzed or you get brain damage or something, I mean, I don't know that it's, uh, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I mean, I guess, I mean, you might as well co- get compensated for it, but I mean, who the hell wants to go through that? But I don't know. I just saw that, man. And I was just wondering, kind of caught my attention. And it comes on randomly here in Chicago. And it's not one of the ones I see frequently, although I don't watch daytime television at all. But every now and then you're out somewhere and, or you might have the TV on and these commercials come on because, you know, because their advertisements coming on seems like all the time. So, you know, those interact need to check people. I'm going to guess that they are still out there telling people interact need to check. Come see us. But what I thought about silent while I was listening back. There are people that drive their cars and I see it every day when I get on the expressway. And I had even heard somebody recently on the radio complaining about this. These people that drive too close to your bumper, if you're a good driver, you know that that can be a potential disaster waiting to happen. And one of the reasons why, and it goes back to that interact need a check, there are people who will intentionally slam on the brakes just so you can run into the back of their cars. And I know it goes on. Now, I don't remember exactly what's in the rule book, but I believe you should have at least a couple of car lengths of space between you and the car in front of you. And the purpose for that is if you're driving at a high rate of speed and something happens where the car in front of you has to hit the brakes, you give yourself enough reaction time and you give the car enough time to stop before you hit the car in front of you. But if you're riding on somebody's bumper and they hit the brakes, then you can run right into the back of them. And there are people in the city, and I've said this on a previous podcast, and I guess because they're listening to Interact Need a Check, there are people who will intentionally slam on the brakes so you can run into the back of them. And I know it goes on. And as a matter of fact, I think I just saw somebody trying to pull that stunt a little while ago on the expressway. There were two cars in front of me. The first car must have slammed on the brakes, and then the car in front of me hit his brakes. Now, I always give myself enough room to stop, so it wasn't a problem for me. But the car in front of me switched to the next lane, and I switched to the next lane. And this car that slammed on the brakes, there was really no reason for them to do it. There was nothing in front of them. So I don't know if they were trying to pull that stunt or not. God only knows what was going on. But there are people that do it. They call one of these lawyers, and the lawyers know exactly what doctors to send them to. And you typically know... (laughs) And you typically know where these places are because in the waiting room, you see a lot of the shysters waiting to see the doctor, you know. So it's all a big money game. And then you have the people that slip and fall in some business, you know. That's why when you're running the business, like if you're at the mall or something and you're mopping the floor or the floor is wet, you're supposed to put down one of those yellow caution signs saying that that the floor is slippery. Because if you don't, somebody walks on it, slips and breaks their leg or something. You know, that's the lawsuit waiting to happen. So, again, it's all a big money game.
2024 is knocking on the door. No, seriously. Uh, New Year is coming up. And you know how it goes. Every year we have the New Year, New You people that um, make New Year's resolutions at the start of the new year. Some will keep them, some won't. When I was younger, I used to do that. But if there's something I realize that I need to change, I just work on it right then and there. And I think that's typically what most people do. It's just that when a new year starts, everybody has a new motivation, I guess. And they say, well, in 2024, I'm going to stop doing this or start doing that, you know. But like I said, for me, typically, if it's something I know that I need to work on, I just work on it. So because of that, I've gotten out of the business of making resolutions at the start of every year. And when you're going into a new year, you never really know what to expect. And let's be honest, there is a lot of uncertainty going on in the world. You go back to January 1st, 2020. I mean, who knew that we were going to be in a worldwide pandemic? Well, at least the general public anyway. And I hear all these people now on the Internet calling for a World War Three. I even saw some YouTube video recently where somebody was creating a lot of anxiety over the fact that there were some things happening and it was right around the time that World War II started or something. So, I mean, all these people calling for a war. And here's the thing. Maybe it'll happen. Maybe it won't. I don't know. My philosophy is I'm not panicking until there's a reason to panic. Now, that don't mean I'm not cautious, but I can't spend my life sitting around worrying about things that may or may not happen until I get something concrete to go on. Because some of these folks on these YouTube platforms and these social media platforms, these people have you so scared to you won't even want to walk out your front door. You know what I mean? So, and I'm scrolling through some of these videos now, big bold letters on the thumbnails, you know, a lot of things in red, giant arrows. Uh, Here's something here. It's finally happening. Uh, Another one here. I mean, in big, bold red letters, breaking more warnings and alerts with exclamation points at the end of it. You know, here's another video uh, breaking news. We're doomed with an exclamation point at the end of it. Horrible crash and big, bold letters and a bunch of flames on the thumbnail. You know, and I've always heard people talk about how the media likes to sensationalize everything. But I'm going to tell you, the media ain't got nothing on some of these YouTubers. <laughs> these folks got sensationalism on lock. No wonder there's so much anxiety going on nowadays. But whatever's going to happen, time is moving on. 2024 is here. And one year recently, I did wind up making a resolution. 2018, I was going to learn how to play guitar properly. Some years ago, a catalog came to my house called Musician's Friend Magazine. And it kind of caught my interest. I looked through this magazine and I started thumbing through this thing, man. And I came across these guitars, these kind of knockoff Stratocaster guitars that were really cheap in price. I ordered this thing out of Musician's Friend Magazine, get it, try to play it. And the thing about not knowing how to play guitar, I couldn't tell if it was properly tuned. So what did I do? I went and bought one of these tuners that you could buy to tune your guitar. Well, I went and bought one of these things out of a, out of a, like Walmart or Target or something, brought it home. And the idea behind this thing is that if it's green, that means the strings are in tune. If it's red, then that means that they're not. This thing was flashing red and green all over the place. I couldn't tell whether the guitar was in tune or not. 
And I fiddled with this thing for a couple of hours to the point where I said, you know what, to hell with this. I'll take it somewhere and see if I can get it professionally to him because I don't know what the hell I'm doing, you know. Well, 2018 was going to be the year that I was going to pick this damn thing up and learn how to play it. But first thing I got to do is I got to get the damn thing tuned. So I'm like, well, where can I take it? First place comes to mind is Guitar Center because why wouldn't a store with the name Guitar Center be able to tune a guitar, <laughs> right? So that's who I called. Get on the phone and call these people. And I called the one up um, on the north side of Chicago. So I get on the phone, I talk to the guy, explaining what the situation is. I got this guitar, it needs to be tuned. And every question that I asked him, it was like, no problem. Everything's no problem. Bring it on by, we got you. Can I bring it by the day? What time do you guys close? Do you have parking? You know, th these are the things that I needed to know if I was going to take this guitar to Guitar Center. So everything that I asked the guy, he said, yeah, no problem. We do all that. <laughs> so I said, perfect. I take this thing, load it up in the car, and I'm off. So when I get there, there's this guy at the front door and I told him, I just want to get a simple tune on this guitar. And he motions to me to take the guitar out the bag. I take it out. He's got to look at it, you know, and examine it. He did all that just to tell me that, oh, he says, well, the guitar tech is going to lunch. So I said, oh, okay, well, how long is he going to be? He says, I have no idea. I just got here. <laughs> this guy's working the front door of Guitar Center. Now he can tell me the guy going to lunch, but he don't know when the guy coming back. And wasn't about to try to find out when the guy was coming back. So basically, the guy's not here, so I don't know what you're going to do. I'm looking at the clock. It's about 1.45, so I'm thinking the guy will probably be back in about 15 minutes. So my next option was to ask this guy if I could leave the guitar here, because they, they have a spot behind the counter where they, they rest your bags. Well, I said, can I leave this uh, guitar here, and I'll just walk around for a little bit and maybe by the time I come back the guy would be back in from lunch well that wasn't going to happen either because this guy said nope that we don't allow people to leave bags behind the counter and walk out the store so that wasn't going to happen so now I'm getting shut down at every turn right so I'm thinking only thing I can really do now is just take this damn thing and go back up and sit in the car so I go back up I sit in the car until about 205 because I'm thinking if the guy gets back from lunch at 2 I'll give him an extra 5 minutes just in case he come back late you know, so get down there at 2.05 and I walk in, the same guy's at the front door. So now he's going to ask me again, what did you want done again? I just wanted to get a simple tune. Now he's got to give me grief about this. Well, you know, you're going to always have to keep tuning your guitar and it's usually pretty simple. Translation, what he was trying to say is, I don't know why you're bringing it here. This is something you can do at home. That's the translation basically of what he was trying to say. I'm not really in the mood to be combative with people. You know what I mean? Because it's the holiday season. I got a little extra time off of work. And the thing about it is it wasn't enough for me to just be flipping out on them. Again, I didn't come here for that. I just came to get my guitar tuned and I want to get out of here. So I'm really trying to overlook the pettiness of this guy working at the front door of Guitar Center. I talked a while ago in a previous podcast about this. It's pretty much known throughout the city if you got to go down to City Hall or the state of Illinois building in downtown Chicago, more than likely the people who are working down there are going to give you attitude when you go. Security guards, people working behind the counters at some of these bureaus and offices. And it's just pretty much known citywide. So I'm saying that to say that 
you always have to put yourself in a frame of mind that when you go down there, somebody's going to give you attitude. So you better be on point because you might have to cuss somebody out. <laughs> you know what I mean? You just might have to, you know. So, but that wasn't the vibe that I had going into Guitar Center. I'm thinking I'm going in here to get some business taken care of and I'm out. And especially something as simple as tuning a guitar, which this guy keeps telling me it's a simple job. And I'm thinking if it's so simple, then why am I getting all this attitude? So he's telling me this about how simple it is to get this thing tuned. And I'm starting to explain to him my logic for bringing this thing in here. And, and while I'm explaining this to him, I'm thinking to myself, why are you explaining anything to this guy? So I had to cut myself off and say, you know what? I know. I just want to get a tune. And I'm also thinking, why is the guy working the front desk of Guitar Center discouraging people from coming into the store? Seems like he should be doing the opposite. <laughs> you know what I mean? Seems like he should be trying to encourage people to come in, especially in an era where retail stores are struggling. So now he points me in a direction to where I need to go. So he sends me from his desk to another desk at Guitar Center. And this desk is in the middle of the store. And in order to see, I guess, the guitar tech or anybody, you have to check in with this guy working at the desk in the middle of the store and he's going to send you to where you need to go and of course when I get there there's somebody in front of me and they got a lot of stuff they need to get done so I just have to stand behind these people and wait to get something done that according to this guy at the front desk is very simple and which is that's what you got to do and if you got to wait you got to wait so I'm standing here looking at the guitars on the wall and one guy on my uh, left side that started picking up a bass and playing it and then then there was another guy on the far end of the store playing around with the keyboard. And I'm thinking, well, if we get somebody getting on the drums, we could have a power trio going on in here. Get a little band going. So, and I don't know what this guy's title is, but the guy, whoever the guy was standing behind the counter, he sees me and he noticed I've been standing there for a while holding this guitar. So I guess he, he kind of leaned over and said, says, what were you trying to get done? And I said, I just need to get a simple tune. He said, oh, if that's all you need, man, he said, just take it over to uh, the guitar tech. And he pointed me in the direction of the guitar tech. And he wasn't mean or rude or anything. I mean, he said, just take it on over there. And he said, tell him, he said, just tell him I sent you over there, you know, which is probably, which is what this guy at the front door should have been doing, you know. So I get over to this guitar tech and he seemed like he had an attitude. I said, yeah, the guy over there sent me over here to you to see about getting this guitar tuned. Then he asked me, he says, who sent you over here? So now I'm pointing over to the guy at the desk. And all the while I'm thinking to myself, these people at Guitar Center must not know who the hell is supposed to do what around here. The guy at the front door doesn't know anything about when people are coming back from lunch. Now here's a guy here, the guitar tech. He has no clue who would be sending me over to see him. I think what was going on with this guy was he was in the middle of doing something. And how many of us have been at our jobs? You might be in the middle of doing something and somebody interrupts you because they need something or whatever. So you're trying to get finished, but you can't because you're being interrupted. If you go into like a Home Depot or something, I mean, how many times you might see somebody working there and they're trying to get from point A to point B, but they can never really get there because everybody in the store has got to stop and ask them, where's the lumber department or where are the light switches or where are the paint brushes, you know? So, so that was kind of like the vibe that this guitar tech had when I approached the desk. And he wasn't mean spirit or anything, but I can kind of tell that he really didn't want to be bothered with this. So now I'm explaining to him, this is like the third or fourth time that I've had to say this. I got this guitar. I'm just bringing it in for a simple tune. 
Then he starts. Well, he says, well, do you have a tuner? So now I got to explain to him. I said, yeah, I got a tuner, but I don't know how to play guitar. And I don't know if the thing is working properly. So I'm explaining all this stuff to him because now I'm starting to get kind of annoyed. You know, and I'm also wondering uh, with the guy at the front door and this guitar tech, I'm trying to figure out why do they think that I just want to come to Guitar Center why the hell would I want to lug this guitar here if, in fact, it was simple enough for me to do at home? Which it is, but again, if you don't know, you don't know. So what the hell would I be wasting my time coming here to do something I can do at home? You know, I have better things to do. And Now, granted, I'm on vacation, so I really ain't got a whole lot to do, but still, I'm not coming up here just to be coming up here, you know. And I told the guy, I says, hey, by the way, I called here this morning and talk to somebody and they said, no problem, bring it in. And it seems like, and it's like, I didn't get here and I'm facing all this resistance, you know? And I'm knowing if it's such a simple thing, this guy can look at it and be done in, in 10 seconds. If it's that simple, you know? So he takes it and plugs it in and he strums it a couple times, you know? He said, it needs to be calibrated. And I said, oh, calibrated? I said, how much is that gonna cost? He says, oh, about 50 bucks. And it includes a new set of strings, which this guitar desperately needs. So I'm like, oh, wow, okay. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, well, thank you. But this is why I wanted to bring it in because these are things, as a person who doesn't play, I don't know that. I had never heard the term, a guitar needs to be calibrated, ever. You know what I mean? I've never, so I didn't know this. This is one of the reasons why I wanted to bring it in. But, but for some reason, people kept acting like this was just a weird thing that I'm bringing this thing in here. Very disappointed because I went through all this thinking that I was going to get this taken care of and over with, and that wasn't the case. And of course, when I leave out, this guy that was giving me all this grief at the front door was still there. Me being a full-grown adult, I looked at him and I said, okay, thank you. And he just looked at me. Now, I don't know what the hell I'm thanking him for because he didn't do anything, and he was no help at all, but I still, thank you. And the guy just looked at me and didn't say one word. No, you're welcome. No, okay, have a nice day. Nothing. He just looked at me. And I thought to myself, these are the kind of people that they have working at Guitar Center. They don't ever have to worry about me coming back there spending no money for nothing. To hell with Guitar Center. If that guitar needs to be calibrated, I'll take it somewhere else. I'd rather spend the money somewhere where it's appreciated than have to go spend it somewhere where it's not. And to this day, I have not been to that Guitar Center and what's funny is up until that point, I never had a problem when I went there and I spent money there before. It's not like I've never been in there and I've never spent money. Some of the equipment that we're using to record this podcast came from Guitar Center. I didn't bought guitar pedals and software. So it's not like I've never been in there, but that particular day and even thinking about it now, I get a little heated because it was unnecessary and when I talk about bad customer service, yeah, I mean, that falls under the category. You know, and I still didn't get that damn thing tuned. It's covered up in a guitar case. You know, maybe 2024 would be the year that I pick it up and try it again. You know, and I found a place that will do it. I just got to take it over there. But uh, so that's how that wound up. So I'm blaming Guitar Center for my... Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's this guitar center's fault that I haven't learned how to properly play yet. Well, we've come to the end of another podcast. Podcast 50, another one in the books. 
We hope everybody has a healthy and prosperous New Year 2024. And hopefully you'll come back and check us out for our 51st podcast. But until then, if you go somewhere and the vibe don't feel right, leave. Don't stick around. Don't second guess. Trust your mind. Trust your instincts because that's what you have them for. And stay away from idiots because an idiot can cause you a lot of problems. And if you've been paying attention to some of the stories that we just read on this podcast, you should have picked up on that. Well, until next time, I am E. And for the silent DJ, this has been the Chicago Grown Folk Podcast, episode 50. And we are out.
That's the end.